From University of Minnesota Rochester Alumni Relations, welcome to Beyond the Nest. I'm Marco Lands, UMR Director of Alumni Development Relationships. In this episode, 2014 graduate Gavin Mark catches up with UMR Professor of Sociology Molly Dingle. The two chat about Gavin's experience as an early student of UMR, building connections, and transitioning from school into the workforce. Currently, Gavin works at Senios Health, where he performs site management and monitoring for clinical research projects. What brought you to UMR in the, in the first place? It started right at the beginning. Yeah, um, I had only applied to two colleges, I actually applied to UMD and UMR, and UMR was kind of my main choice because of the, the smaller class sizes and the 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 access to professors and everything else and just because it was new i like the idea of uh being one of the pioneering class of it we're only the second graduating class so it was all really exciting to me and i got in and at that time i wanted to be go to pre-med just like everybody else who first wants to go to emr and <laughs> things went from there did it live up to your expectations i mean you went in you know with this hope that it was going to be exciting and lots of access to professors and yeah it certainly did i don't i don't think i could have graduated in four years like i did without any delays without um, the sport i had at umr so yeah i don't i don't have a single regret about going there and my experience there is all great can you can you think of specific examples of that support? So my freshman year, I did okay um, in school. And then my sophomore year, my first semester, I did okay. Second semester, I kind of started to fall off. Junior year, I had another hard first semester. And then the second semester came, and I'm like, all right, I really need to buckle down. I need to retake anatomy and physiology. I need to retake organic chemistry or no general chemistry and i need to take organic chemistry too because i had wanted to switch and be on the physician assistant career path field at that point um so i buckled down i got involved in the uh, rochester student association um, i really took all those classes and i got a significantly better grade than i had been had done prior and they're really difficult the first time around because I didn't use the support. I didn't use the options that we had available. And then the second time around, I was there all the time uh, working with the professors, drawing stuff out on the whiteboards and um, making a lot of flashcards. And I made it through it. I ended up graduating with a decent GPA and um, I didn't end up going into the becoming a physician's assistant, but I'm very happy with uh, my career where I am now. So it sounds like it was really it, that connection with professors and the ability to sort of really sit down with them was something that get over this challenging time that you had as a student. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because those are the kinds of things that like, I mean, all students are going to hit tough spots. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of it is about like, you know, what support do you have along the way to help you get through that and help you make a shift? So you said you 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 started out wanting to go to um, to med school and then you kind of shifted that a little bit. Um, maybe you could talk a little bit about like where are you now and 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 then I'll, we can follow up with like how did you move from wanting to go to med school to where you ended up? 
yeah, that was another probably benefit of EMR because I was able to kind of mold my um, after school plan with like the way I was changing. They were able to adapt it really well. So like start off pre-med, that's how I set up my classes. And then it became public health. So I talked to my advisor and they're like, okay, we'll do these classes for public health. And then it was physician's assistants. Like, okay, we'll change these classes. You do all these, you'll be able to graduate before we go on physician's assistant school. But so that all went fine. And then um, after um, I graduated from UMR, I think I would have had to retake a physics class to be able to apply for physician's assistant school. And I was planning on doing that. Um, but in the meantime, I got a job at a company called Ofsted Associates doing uh, translational research with uh, uh, Evan Doyle and other UMR alumni actually helped me get the job there. And I ended up working there for a year. And then after that, I ended up getting more, I kind of just fully embraced the research idea for a career. And I got into the clinical research side of things working for, uh, they're called Minnesota Gastroenterology, but now they're called Minji Digestive Health. So I was doing their uh, regulatory, I was a regulatory specialist for them, for their clinical research department, um, making sure everybody was trained, making sure the documents were signed right, uploading them to the correct portals and stuff like that. And then became an analyst at uh, Minji, and I did that for a year, and then I decided I didn't like that, so then I went back to clinical research, became a clinical research coordinator. So instead of just doing the regulatory, I was recruiting patients and consenting patients and um, collecting data, putting the data into the electronic data capture system for the sponsor and working with the monitors. Uh, monitors are people who work for the sponsor that come to the site and make sure the site is doing everything correctly so that if the FDA comes that we're not gonna get in trouble, we'll pass inspection and the drug will ultimately get approved. So I was doing all that for GI studies and I was doing that for about two years. Uh, I really wanted to be work as a monitor, what I was talking about. And I've always had a passion for oncology because there's a history of cancer in my family. Um, so I started applying at clinical research organizations, which are kind of the middle middleman for pharmaceutical companies who handle the CRAs. They hire CRAs and contracts different pharmaceutical companies. So I got hired by a company called Acuvia, and I was working as a CRA, clinical research associate slash monitor for a company called Roche. I just worked for Roche in their, um, I worked on lung cancer studies and ovarian cancer study. And then I got, did that for a year and then got recruited off LinkedIn by a company called Cineos, another CRO, where now I'm just working for a company called AbbVie and I'm working with their um, ovarian cancer study, uh, breast cancer study, and I'm hoping to get on another lung cancer study soon. That sounds so, yeah, that's where I am. Beyond the Nest would like to hear from you. Check out this episode's show notes for how to get in touch and share your UMR journey. Now, let's get back to the conversation as Gavin talks about how to build connections and learning to adapt to change. What's a day like for you? <laughs> you know? Um, so whole day I have my email open so I'm kind of triaging uh, concerns from the site as they come up like do they have questions about the protocol what kind of visits they need to do um, I'm following up with sites to make sure that visits are conducted on time 
there's a trial master file the sponsor maintains. So I have to make sure that we have all the correct regulatory documents filed in there. When the sites enter data into the electronic data capture system, I review it and make sure that it at least passes the smell test. Like they did the visit on time, they collected, they did all the right procedures they're supposed to. And then eventually, um, I'll actually go on site. So like next week I'm flying out to Buffalo, New York to go on site and actually look at their paperwork and make sure it matches what's in the system and make sure that their uh, regulatory and training is all uh, up to date in their copies of the binders. Um, so yeah, I'm really, I'm working on behalf of the sponsor to make sure that the site is inspection ready if the FDA ever comes. Um, Cause we want these drugs to get to market. What's the best part about your job? Like what do you like about it? Uh, I really enjoy working with um, the sites. I like developing relationships with um, the principal investigators and the coordinators because um, I can identify with them since I also worked on the site side. So I kind of understand the struggles they're going through. Um, and then the other side of it is just some of the drugs that we're developing with and I'm working with are just really fascinating. Um, the stuff they're doing and advancing in the oncology field right now. So you get to really see how the drugs are developed, um, get a full copy of the protocol. You can read method of action, why it works, the supporting studies, and you get to work with on the sponsor side too, working with medical doctor on staff who answers questions is basically just an expert on the study and on the drug and everything else. So it's really, really interesting. So many students come in and they know like, they know they like health and they know that they want to do something that's going to help people, you know, or something along those lines. And so they think, okay, I need to be a doctor to do that. And, mm -hmm. and it's really fun to see like students kind of go through this path and, and have it, have the world kind of open up to them, even the world of health where like, there's so many different ways that you can help people within health and that's not a doctor you know like bringing yeah exactly bringing these new drugs to market like some of these new drugs are so incredible and they help so many people and they save so many lives and that's like there's this whole world of stuff that has to happen before they can actually get approved you know before we actually know they work and they're safe and it's just a pathway that I think a lot of, you know, 18 year olds like don't even think about or don't even like. Oh, totally. It. Yeah. <laughs> um, but can be like super rewarding and interesting and, mm -hmm. um, and, and extremely useful. So. Um, yeah, it is. And that's another thing that's kind of nice that I love about my job is um, I'm on the, the uh, breast cancer study. And after patients are done with, um, after they're done receiving the active treatment and they go into remission, we're just following them for survival, like check in, are you still okay? And um, these are patients with a really serious cancer diagnosis that are living years beyond when they probably would have been able to had they not had the study drug. So it's really, it's really great to see. It's such a valuable thing to be doing. Mm -hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. So are there ways in which like a professional network helped you get to where you are just at any stage, whether that was at UMR or after UMR. And how did you help, how did you like build that or how did you create that or how did that develop for you? Yeah, um, like I mentioned, my first job at Offset Associates doing um, the translational research, um, I got because um, a different, a former classmate at UMR was working there as well. And he kind of put in reference for me. So that was my first job. 
with each job, I just made it. I think it's really important to not burn bridges. Like if your job requests that you put in a four week notice before you leave, try your best to put in that two to four week notice. You don't want to leave like right away because you never, you might want your old manager's reference someday. And I've used my manager's reference. Um, and then there's also different um, professional groups. Um, I haven't gotten a job. I worked with ACRP for a little while. They're the American Academy of Research Professionals. And I was with them for a while and I didn't really get a job through them, but I did like gain skills and it helped me learn the industry better. Cause I was working with different people who worked in some work for sponsors, some work for sites, and you get to see how different sites do different things. So that kind of helped me build skills. When I left IQVL after only working there for a year, and then I went to Cineo, I was like, it was really difficult for me. I didn't really want to leave, but I was kind of put in a position where I couldn't turn down the job. Um, and my manager that there at IQVIA totally understood. And she basically said, if you ever are in the market again, reach out to me because I might have something for you. So mm-hmm. it's just nice to keep those concessions good and to have a good relationship with everybody you work with. You never know when you might need their help. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Um, it, it's interesting how our paths intersect differently with different you know, people as we move through our lives and you never know like who this person that you met, (laughs) you know, a long time ago might suddenly um, have an opportunity or be useful for you in some way, or just be able to help you make a connection. Um, Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think that's really true. What would you, Mm -hmm. what would you tell students, you know, if they're current students who maybe are like worried that they're not building a professional network fast enough or, or something like that, you know, what would you tell students who are worried that maybe they aren't building enough connections at UMR? Um, I guess I'd tell them to try to be flexible, try to find, um, like, if you want to go into a certain field, try to find that professional organization that like, it seems like every career on the planet earth has some sort of organization attached to it (laughs) (laughs) so if you can especially now during the pandemic like you can a lot of them are online through zoom meetings so you can like like usually it seems with a professional organization they'll have a price to attend to the event for the member or and they'll have a price to attend if you're not a member so you can still like go to an event pay a little extra and then like meet with people and if you like it you can decide to get a membership but if you don't like at least you got the experience and you got to meet people um, I also think shadowing is a very valuable experience. Um, and working with people in your current job, that was how I wanted to become a monitor was talking to monitors that came to the research site when I was working as a coordinator. Like some monitors would come and I'd talk to them and ask them about their job and what it was like and just kind of make conversations with people and learn about the different things people are doing. You might end up making connection with a field that you didn't even know you wanted to go into. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like you, you made a lot of these connections actually after. So you talked a little bit about how you made this kind of first step with, you know, somebody, one of your friends was a reference for you, but, but then after, it seems like you built a lot of those connections actually after you left UMR. So yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. I kind of, I've, felt like I learned skills on building connections in UMR, but I didn't start making connections until I started working in the field I wanted to go into. 
yeah, clinical research is kind of a niche, like interesting field. Like it's kind of hard to break into at first, but once you're into it, like it's there's a lot of possibilities for you. Mm-hmm. What UMR experiences um, helped shape your journey? Can you think of other specific experiences you had here that were important to where you ended up? Um, I you know I was reviewing my old capstone website, which is still on Wix somehow. I found it in my <laughs> email. Great. Um, yeah. And like my, I was looking back and my whole senior year was basically kind of wrapped around research. Even back then it was, wasn't clinical research, but I did a, I did a directed research project with you. Mm-hmm. Um, we were working on a paper called the effect of media on genetic comprehension. Uh, we yep, were working we were. With, yeah. <laughs> so that was a really great experience. I kind of learned about how to collect data, how the institutional review board process works um, and really kind of learning how a study is conducted on the university side and the complexities of it. And I also worked with um, Mayo Clinic and ASU Obesity Solutions where we we were working on two different projects. One was kind of an active curriculum study where we were kind of signing up classrooms and having the kids wear we like a, a Fitbit now, but they didn't, they were called CAM devices, but they're accelerometers basically to track activity throughout the day and try to find ways to keep kids more active and morally data collecting during that stage to figure out what parts of the day they're most active. And so we could see the ultimate goal is to design a classroom around activity, but also to be able to focus and learn. And then I also did, um, a college healthy living program with the ASU Mayo Clinic Obesity Solutions, where we developed a college healthy living program to help students lose weight. And uh, I was kind of the, I was the head intern on that project. So again, it was really interesting learning how to do studies, uh, learning how to write papers, learning the different parts of the research papers that needs to be included, um, what data is important, um, kind of starting to how to analyze the data, um, collected in a way that it can be analyzed. Um, all that type of stuff really goes into the, my work now. And I didn't didn't really know I was going to go this way, but <laughs> it worked <laughs> right, out. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I hear a lot of students talk about how how important it can be to do to do independent research with faculty members. You know, just it it's helping you build relationships, but also. Um, just giving you insight into this whole process of research, which is a lot more complicated, I think, than people often think who have never done it before. It's like, well, you just right. like give out a bunch of surveys and and then you run it through a stats package and then you're done, right? Like, mm-hmm. no, yeah, that's, like, that's really the easy a lot. part. <laughs> yeah, that is the easy part. It's a lot more complicated than that. There's a lot mm-hmm. more steps, um, you know, and so it's a, um, it's a research is a big job <laughs> and yes. I think it's, I think it's uh, useful for students to have some, even if they don't end up in your career path um, where you're so active in doing research or helping research happen. Yeah. And I think another thing that helped is like just the uh, learning to adapt to change. I think with the EMR it was kind of in the early stages and there's still some things that were kind of changing. Like they had, like they opened a 318 commons, like my sophomore, junior year, I think. And like, both things were kind of steady, but things were kind of changing. And I was changing my major all the time. And just like learning how to adapt to those changes has helped me in my career field now, because research by definition is creating change 
a lot of the time. So um, the field is always changing. There's always a new system, a new process, a new data point that the FDA is worried about. So we're going to focus on the say data point more than any other one that, and you just have to roll with the punches and work with it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's so true. I mean, science builds on itself. So you're never going to be doing the same project exactly twice. And the world changes so much. I mean, even just like, how do you do research in a context where of, of COVID, <laughs> I'm sure was yeah. very different compared to like pre-COVID. Um, so yeah, the, that ability to, to change and um, kind of roll with whatever is happening in society <laughs> that mm -hmm. time and how science is changing and our differing understandings of how we should do stuff. Um, all that is, is difficult, but important. What advice would you give to your younger self? I kind of wish looking back that I wouldn't have changed my major so many times. I wish I would have settled on something sooner, but at the same time, it didn't really affect me in a negative way, but it just caused, I think if I would have focused on one, if I wouldn't have diverted from the pre-med or the physician and not that there's anything wrong with the public health path, it's just not the one I really went into. Um, but I think I could have taken more like science-based classes and things that I would have found uh, more beneficial to me and um, my career now and maybe would have been more interesting at the time if I would have focused more and worked harder at it. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> you know, generally I, I don't have a lot of regrets with my college experience. Um, yeah, I had a lot of fun and I also got a great degree and I learned a lot. Yeah, it's so hard to know when you're going through it what the right path is to choose. But so often, I feel like even when people look back at those times of uncertainty, like they feel like maybe I would have done a few things differently, but you know, overall it got me to where I am. And so... I'm happy with it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. The University of Minnesota Rochester is proud to present Kern Center Connects, a new lecture series in partnership with Mayo Clinic and the Robert D. and Patricia E. Kern Center for the Science of Healthcare Delivery. Join us on March 15th at 5 p.m. from University Square for the next installment of Kern Center Connects, featuring a discussion on COVID-19, vaccinations, and vaccination hesitancy. Panelists to include Kern Center researchers and UMR faculty. To register, visit z.umn.edu backslash Kern Center Connects. What about any advice you have for uh, maybe students who are going to graduate this year um, about transitioning from college to the working world? So uh, I guess you can tell, I, so I graduated in 2014. I've had one, two, three, four. So I've worked for four different companies. I've had one, two, three, four, five, six different jobs during that time. And I think that experience has been good. I feel like the Everyone like career depends on your career path, but at least in research and in general, it used to be like, you don't want to have too many different places on your resume. People get worried that you're not going to stick around. And I just, I feel like times are different right now where like, if you see an opportunity come up and you think it would be a good opportunity, um, you should go for it and just jump in and see how it goes. Right now, it seems like it's the job market the way it is that 
if you try something and you don't like it, you can get a job and try somewhere else. But Mm -hmm. I just, it was a big jump for me to go from the, the site side to the sponsor side. And I haven't regretted that jump at all because it just changed everything. It just mm-hmm. opened a lot of doors. And so, yeah, just don't be afraid to take a chance. Mm-hmm. If you're worried that you don't have a job yet, um, keep looking, try to shadow, maybe talk to people in the industry, join those working groups, build a really good LinkedIn profile. I've gotten multiple, I get a job offer once a week for my LinkedIn profile. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> searching right now to anyone who's right. looking at my LinkedIn profile, but <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Great. But yeah, um, LinkedIn's been great. Um, try not to compare yourself to other people. Um, just cause somebody else got a job right away that starts the day after they graduate doesn't mean you have to, you do have some time. So yeah, find something you like and jump in. Yeah. No, I think that is, that's also really good advice. I mean, just, I think you said a lot of good things there, but a couple of them that particularly stood out is, I think there's so much about the world that is changing. And so some of the, the rules that we followed in the past, like don't change jobs too quickly or something like that. I think there are some different understandings of that. And especially if you have a good reason for switching jobs, like, you know, especially like I want to try out this new thing that I haven't done before. Um, but, that as long as you can explain that, <laughs> you know, that maybe that isn't such a, such a bad thing to have done a few things. Um, right. And there's a lot of th- times too, where you can apply the skills that you're work that you are using at your current job into a new position. Mm-hmm. So if you can leverage those skills and those experiences into a new job, it can really, really helpful. Right. And be able to explain to like future employers, like how you did that can also make them seem like it can make them understand that you're going to do that if you come to work for them as well. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say my other piece of advice is don't be afraid to get turned down after a job interview. I applied to some jobs that I had no business applying to, but it was still like, it was still an interview. It's like, you'd still getting experience doing a job interview and learning the questions they're going to ask and how to present them. Yeah, absolutely. That's also good advice. You can shoot high and uh, (laughs) maybe you don't get it, but that's okay. You can also ask them later, like, why didn't you hire me? And sometimes, Mm -hmm. sometimes the reply I think can be, illuminating yeah (laughs) yeah I also like this your piece of advice that you know try not to compare yourself to other people um because that can lead to a lot of heartache like everybody is on their own path and two paths may not be the same and that's okay like we shouldn't try to have the same path as everybody else it's a bigger journey than just sort of competing or feeling like you aren't doing as well as someone yeah. else. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of expectation with undergrads and not just at UMR, but anywhere with a lot of undergrads that like, okay, I finished my undergrad. Where am I going to go to school next? Mm-hmm. And like, it's great that some people do go to school more and, every, but everybody's different. Like just because everybody in your class is going on to another school doesn't mean you have to. Yeah. Um, I had kind of had that assumption when I came out of UMR and then I, I didn't and I'm doing okay. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah. I'm not saying I won't ever go back to school again, but I'm doing mm-hmm. okay right now. Yeah, for sure. And and also I think, you know, if someday maybe you'll never choose to go back and that's totally fine, but if you do choose, 
I suspect you'll be in a much better position to really have a sense of what it is you want to do, right? Like, yeah, because of all your work experience, because of what you've done and you have, you know yourself better now, I suspect, than you did when you graduated. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And uh, what you like and what you don't like. And so um, you can make a really targeted decision about your next steps and what you need to to get there. Totally. What's next for you? Speaking of that, what's next for you, do you think? You're going to stay in your current job for a while? Or what, what would be on the horizon for you? Yeah, I want to do this for at least another year. I want to be a CRA and kind of another couple of years. I want to be our CRA and kind of, so there's a CRA one and then there's a CRA two and then there's a senior CRA one, a senior CRA two. Can you remind me again what, the, what a CRA is? Just so Sorry, I clinical research associate That's right, or a yeah. monitor. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I want to specialize in this field. I want to be the person that people go to with questions about research and I want to be the one to answer them. And then eventually down the line, maybe I can go into being a line manager or working in another part, like directly for a pharmaceutical company mm-hmm. or for continue moving up in the CRO clinical research organization. Anything else to add? I guess with all this career stuff, I also had two kids or got married, had two kids and I've moved, but moved like three times. <laughs> yeah. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank how, you. How old are your kids now? I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Oh, that's such a cute age. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cute, <laughs> Two boys. Cute, so challenging. <laughs> very fast, very challenging, but yeah. <laughs> I have two boys as well, so I, I understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you to Gavin and Molly for their lively conversation, and thank you, for listening to the Beyond the Nest podcast. Beyond the Nest is produced by University of Minnesota Rochester Alumni Relations and edited by Marshall Saunders with Minnesota Podcasting. Check out this episode's show notes for how to stay in touch, and we will be back next month for another engaging conversation with a Raptor alum. Mm-hmm.